everyone. I am Emily Landers, and this is How'd She Do That? A podcast answering that question each episode. Welcome, everyone. I hope that you guys had an awesome weekend. Luke and I had an amazing weekend here in California where we live. We actually moved. We moved, you guys. We did it. We are so excited. It was such an incredible move made easy by our awesome friends. We had seven guy friends come and help us move. And if you guys can, I'm not joking right now, if you can believe it, Today's Monday. We moved on Saturday. Sunday, I was hanging up mirrors. I live here now. I'm so excited. It's so much more space than what we originally had, and it's just such a gift. I'm so eager to host and to dine and just have everyone over. It's just such a blessing. So I'm thrilled, and I know if you follow me on Instagram, at Emily Landers, I'm sure you are stirred or embarrassed by my excitement, but either one I'll take because I'm just thrilled. It is such, it's just amazing. So so thank you guys for sharing in that excitement. And boy, to have the podcast, to have something like this going out today, to going out this week, it just feels like HSDT has become such an amazing, consistent piece and part of my life. And it just means so much to me that you would join, that you would listen, that you would share episodes with friends. I think you're really going to enjoy today's conversation with Roxy and Phoebe from Pander Design Co. I want to give you a little inside scoop on both of them. First and foremost, they are incredible artists. They do murals. You're going to hear all about it, but a little inside scoop as to this recording they're champions. So we recorded this some time ago, and the reason it's taken us a bit of time to get it out is because you guys, I'm not kidding, my fire alarm went off the entire call. (laughs) And I share that with you because I was blown away by their kindness. They're just easygoing. They stuck with me. We recorded through the most annoying sound you can possibly think of. And I got off the phone with them feeling so encouraged, uplifted. I mean, they were in my corner from the get-go, and that's the kind of women that Roxy and Phoebe are. I think you're going to have so much fun hearing more about their business. Be sure to stay tuned towards the end of the episode. They're going to share where you can connect with them. We are so looking forward to hearing your thoughts on today's episode. It's going to be a good one. Also, how about that Daily Harvest ad earlier? I'm so thrilled to have so many amazing partners coming in to assist HSDT. Well, you guys, without further ado, here is Roxy and Phoebe on How'd She Do That? Today's guests, Roxy Prima and Phoebe Cornog, are the founders behind Pander Design Co., a creative design agency that specializes in custom art installation and murals. Their mission is to create a design that not only enhances your brand, but will increase its staying power too. All of their mural designs are produced by Phoebe and Roxy in their Southern California office. Together, they have painted over 225 murals all across the U.S. and in a few other countries as well. They've worked with brands like Bumble, Vans, Target, and Visa, to name a few. 
In 2018, the ladies founded Ladies Who Paint, a mural festival dedicated to empowering women through art. And most recently, the ladies added authors to their impressive resumes with their book, Wonder Walls, a step-by-step guide to creating a custom mural in your own home. When Roxy and Phoebe aren't overseeing the production of their mini projects, connecting with clients, or speaking with women like myself, you might find Roxy lost in a good book or planning her next adventure, and Phoebe can be found checking out new restaurants in town or spending time at the beach. Ladies, welcome to How'd She Do That? Hi, Emily. Thanks for having us. We're excited to be here. Uh, Well, I am thrilled to have you both, and I'm so excited because I've had quite a few impressive guests on the podcast, but I sense there's a real like creative energy that we maybe haven't had on the show coming from you two, so I'm thrilled. Yeah, I love it. Oh, I think it'll be so fun. Well, it's going to be amazing to hear a little bit more about you, your journey, both of you kind of coming together and creating this amazing space, this amazing design company. But I love to start from their very beginning. I have lots of listeners who are recent grads or entrepreneurs, and I love to hear a little bit of the backstory. So perhaps you guys could tell us a little bit more about you, maybe a little bit about your upbringing and where you guys are from. Sure. I'll take it away. This is Phoebe speaking. Um, I grew up in Philadelphia, a suburb outside of Philadelphia, and I attended Pratt Institute in Brooklyn for two years. I decided to study graphic design and didn't really know what that meant, but um, people told me at that time, you know, that's a a job that you could actually make money doing in the art field. Um, Everyone's fear is, is when going into the art as a career. Um, (laughs) I didn't love Pratt. So I actually ended up transferring after two years to Tyler School of Art, which is a part of Temple University. So I went back to Philadelphia and finished up there. So my official degree is um, BFA in graphic and interactive design. And uh, upon graduating, I said, all right, I need to get the hell out of here. I want to go to (laughs) California. Even though I had never been to California before, I applied to every single job in the state. I had no idea the difference between San Francisco and San Diego, but (laughs) I'm really lucky and happy with where I ended up. I got a job in Vista, which is um, Northern San Diego. I worked at a bike company um, or cycle wear. So I was designing jerseys and catalogs and hang tags, and then moved on to another bike company. Um, Once you're in the action sports world, it's pretty easy to float between those different companies. And um, upon working at the second company for a few years, I found myself getting a little stir crazy. Um, There wasn't really upward mobility within the company. So um, I turned to Instagram as a lot of millennials and people do. And I was at my desk on Instagram and um, really found myself falling in love with lettering in the lettering world. So that's where I stumbled across Roxy's work and um, really loved what she was doing. And so then I reached out to her and sent her an email and said, hey, what do you think about 
meeting up for wine and cheese and talking about letters because, you know, that's what people do. And <laughs> uh, she, to my surprise, responded. Um, that was my first time ever reaching out to like an Instagram celebrity. She had about like 15,000 followers at the time. So I was not even <laughs> expecting her to respond. And so when she did, I was so excited. And, you know, we're about the same age and we live close together. So we met up for wine and cheese and um, really hit it off. And that's when we had the idea to start a lettering club in San Diego. Oh. And so we were hosting monthly events, doing different nerdy lettering things like um, <laughs> making posters for the Padres game and getting on the Jumbotron or doing food lettering at Thanksgiving, all sorts of stuff like that. And um, we found that we really worked well together. And I'll let Roxy kind of tell her story because it's, it's, quite contrasting to mine, but it's funny how we come together. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So I'm Roxy. I grew up here in San Diego where we run our business and I really had no idea what I wanted to do when I went away to college. I went to Gonzaga University in Washington State for a couple years and was taking the widest variety of classes possible, but nothing stood out to me and they didn't have a design program. So in my um, junior year, my advisor was like, you really like, you have to pick something like you have to pick a major. It's time. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to drop out because <laughs> because that's just not me. Um, my parents were pretty upset about it, but I didn't want to just pick a major just to pick a major and graduate. I really wanted to find what I wanted to do with my life. Hmm. Um, so I dropped out, moved back to San Diego, started, um, started taking classes at a community college while working odd jobs and randomly took a graphic design class and realized that that is what I wanted to do. So at this point, I had already had three years of college under my belt, had to start all over from scratch, um, wow. but was excited to finally find something that I was passionate about. So started going to school for graphic design about two years in, realized I was ready to drop out once again. Um, I just, I like to do things my own way. And I felt like I had the skills I needed to be doing graphic design as a job, as a career. So dropped out again, started working just odd jobs and started just creating and figuring out what I wanted to do within graphic design. And at this time it was about 2012. So it was very early days of Instagram. And I started posting drawings and paintings and things that I made on my Instagram every single day and started building a following on there. And I realized like, it's so obvious now to use Instagram for business, but back then it was very new. So I realized that Instagram was going to be my way to be able to work for myself because the more people that saw my work, the more people that were wanting to buy prints or have me design their logo. So I really just went all in on building my following on Instagram. And I worked a couple of graphic design jobs. Um, and then when I met Phoebe, I was at the point where I was ready to quit my job. I always knew that I wanted to work for myself. And so Phoebe and I started this lettering club together. A couple months in, I decided that I was ready to quit my job full time and work for myself, had enough clients. So I put in my notice, started doing freelance. Phoebe and I collaborated on a couple freelance projects, and then she decided to quit her job also. Oh. And it felt a little bit easier to work on it together, like sit at the coffee shop together to, you know, work on freelance projects. We really didn't think about it too much. Like we were starting a business together. <laughs> um, now we're going on year six and it's been amazing. Wow. Oh my gosh. Well, it's so fun to hear the connection too. And I love 
that you both, and this is this is interesting, you both were kind of brave enough to meet a stranger through social media. Now, I meet people even <laughs> like yourselves through Instagram all the time. But when you left that original coffee date, was it immediate like hit? Like, oh my gosh, we're going to be friends. We're, we love the same things. Or, or how did that friendship continue? Because I think it's so amazing that you guys did keep up with each other. What was that original connection? Art or lettering? What what kept you guys getting to know each other? Yeah, it was definitely lettering and just having someone that was equally obsessed with it and <laughs> following all the same artists and designers on Instagram and um, just having someone to yeah gossip about the lettering world together. <laughs> together. So um and being the same age and and having other things in common obviously is helpful too. But yeah, we left that first meeting really inspired and immediately just started designing the logo for our club that we were starting. And um, it was just, yeah, immediate. That's amazing. And to to think about the lettering club, this is interesting to me. Was this something that graphic designers came to or or came and learned from you both or you could collaborate? Is this something that you pay to join? What did that club look like in the beginning days? No, everything was mostly free. Yeah. 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 Everything was free. It was basically like we were just craving community and wanting to bring people together because we didn't really feel like there was a group of designers that would get together here in San Diego. So they were just monthly free events. Um, One event we hired a sand castle, a professional sand castle maker to make lettering in the sand at one of the beaches. We did lettering out of food. We did all kinds of random stuff with the mindset of just like bringing people together and trying new things and creating. So it was just a way to build community and be creative. And we, we did it for almost a year and had about a hundred different people come to the various events. Wow. So we just found, we really like, it was filling a void that was missing for us at our jobs that we weren't able to be creative. It was also giving us community um, and just really showed us that we worked super well together. Well, it's so fun to think about. And even like you guys, a hundred people coming. I mean, that's really impressive to look back on and to think that you grew a community there. And it's really cool to know. And for those of you who are listening, uh, you probably follow Girls Who Paint. You might follow Roxy and Phoebe or Panda Designs on Instagram. So you might know a little bit more of their story. But if you don't, to hear this is the beginning stages and to know, for me personally, to know where you guys are now in the community development, in inspiring and encouraging women artists, this is really impressive. I'm I'm excited to continue to hear more. But I want to ask, because this is really interesting, um, because I don't think that the creative side of things that you both are sharing, like, but for you to have somebody come in and to do these sandcastles, I mean, th- this is really creative stuff. I-, I wanted to know, where do you both credit the the creativity before we even step into all that you've done? Is this from your upbringing, your childhood? What would you both give credit to this kind of right side creativity that you both have? So this is Phoebe uh, speaking. I feel like I always have to distinguish our voices because, yeah, my mom would always say, I can't even tell your voices apart on our <laughs> own podcast. Um, but yeah, so my parents are fairly creative. They aren't or didn't do uh, creative jobs for work, but mm. um, on the side, yeah, my dad is uh, sculpts wood and makes bowls and all sorts of things. And then my mom's just pretty creative and 
lots of other ways. She's actually gotten into painting recently. Oh my gosh. Uh, she's our competition now. <laughs> and <laughs> so, yeah, they definitely fostered it and um, encouraged me to just constantly be making things growing up. So there was no shortage of craft time at the Cornog household. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think I've just always had a bit of an independent rebellious spirit where like, I like to prove people wrong. I like to show people I can do things my own way. And I, I'm not really a fan of authority. Um, <laughs> so uh, just getting to be creative and do whatever we want. I think that's where we both shine. And I think our creativity is why our business has been so successful because we have done it our own way. I mean, like even going to school for graphic design, did we ever learn that mural painting was a viable career option? No. Right. Um, so we just have a tendency to do things our own way. Oh, well, it's so impressive. And it is. It's amazing how you guys have carved into this very unique space, which I'm excited to hear more about. So tell us this. You guys have started this lettering club together. You do that for about a year. You're taking on different freelance projects. When did you look at each other and think, okay, this this is turning into a business? At what point did you think, I think we're working together? <laughs> well, we were selling pins and stickers and prints so small items as the club and there was some success with that obviously we're not we millionaires off of um <laughs> little knickknacks but we realized um that was fun to do we enjoyed doing it and working on the business side and I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I, we didn't consciously decide to start a business. I think like six months in, we looked at each other and we're like, oh shit, this is not working. Right. We need to do something about it because we both have rent to pay. We have expenses. So we actually decided that we wanted to learn more about business and decided to hire a business coach, which at the time was a big investment for us as we were basically making zero dollars. Um, and my mom had actually recommended a business coach that had worked with her friend. We had an initial phone call with him and it seemed like a very good fit though. We were terrified. I mean, we realized on that call that we knew absolutely nothing about what we were doing and we had so much to learn. So that kind of solidified that we were working together because we did hire this business coach and he worked with us for a year basically oh, wow. trans giving us a brain transplant, like turning <laughs> us into different people and like really turning us into businesswomen and entrepreneurs um, pretty quickly. So it was seriously not conscious at all. We just mm -hmm. kind of fell into this. We didn't even have a conversation like, oh, so we're going to like be working together for a really long time. It was just <laughs> kind of happened. We had the, we opened a business bank account for the club um, because we had ex random expenses, like mm -hmm. having to buy supplies for events and whatnot. So on paper, we had to do that. And that kind of made it official. But again, it was, yeah, it was just for the club. It wasn't, you know, let's go into this amazing partnership and take over the world together. <laughs> Well, no, and that's so cool. It's so fun to hear the behind the scenes a little bit more about that because I do think so many people think, yeah, how did you do that? How, how did you guys start the club? What did those expenses look like? So I appreciate you sharing even that little tidbit, which, yeah, that would make it a little bit more official, but like you said, not anything as to what it's 
become. Well, mm-hmm. tell me at, towards the end of that year, because you have this business coach for a year, what was the end thought? At, you know, is this when you kind of decide, hey, Pander Design Co. is some, what did it look like to say, let's make this official? Well, we actually at the end of the year decided that we were smart enough to work without <laughs> the, the business coach. It's kind of like going to therapy where, or I don't know if anyone listening is hopefully maybe seeing a therapist, <laughs> but um, you, eventually you run out of things to talk about and you feel kind of cured. Wow. So for the time being at least. And so um, we just ran out of issues. We were past the the point of Um, you know, having a fire to put out every single week. So we were ready to go on our own. And um, I mean, we we had been working uh, together on our own the whole year and it just business just picked up with the the guidance of our coach and we felt very confident. And um, yeah. Yeah. We like actually started making more money than we had been making at our full-time jobs, which was not much, but um, (laughs) But the business definitely started to pick up. And in year three, we ended up making $400,000. So it was like, yeah, there's no, it it became like, yeah, this is it. (laughs) (laughs) We are doing this. So at that time, what did your projects look like? Like at the very beginning, did you guys start with murals? We honed in on murals, uh, again, not intentionally, but we did one at the very beginning and we really loved the process and posted that to Instagram. And uh, I don't remember how many months later, not too long after we got a second inquiry and then a third, but they were still, they were few and far between. And in between those, we were doing lots of chalkboards for Red Bull. Oh. Uh, every mixed drink that is a special <laughs> at every bar, doing lots of those um, sandwich boards, et cetera logos, still doing the lots of the classic graphic design stuff. And when we were doing those first murals, our, it was just because we wanted to be creative ourselves. We just loved being able to paint and, you know, get paid very small at that time for it. Um, it wasn't until we started, and it seems obvious now because everyone wants an Instagram wall, but back then, this was 2015, 2016, it wasn't like, a thing that every business knew they had to have. We started realizing that this was a marketing strategy because once we'd post the mural, share it to Instagram, all of a sudden these people would start taking photos in front of the murals, which became brand awareness for the location and the business. And it was actually impacting their sales. So us being like completely non-business minded, working with our coach, he helped us really to be able to pitch the marketing side of it and realize like, this is not an art piece. This is value to businesses. So he helped us articulate that, figure out how to sell that and package it so that businesses would see this as it's not just an art piece. This is a way to bring more people into our space and to make more money. Wow. So at that time when people hired you, because there is a route that, you know, people are starting to see your design, specifically murals. You guys are kind of experts in the space. Is this, are these murals and these, gosh, art, amazing art installations that you guys are doing, are these on the side of businesses' buildings at first? Is this the backdrop of a bar? Like, where are they asking you to put these or or where were the original ones even done? The first one we ever did was inside an office space at um, Red Bull here in San Diego, which 
is kind of a high pressure for our first My roommate, my Craigslist roommate, everything comes back to the internet. Um, my Craigslist roommate of the time worked there and she connected wow. us with that job. And then the second one was at a food hall sort of situation we have here in, in San Diego, but it was on this kind of strange um, freestanding billboard that we did. So, but that became a, an Instagram destination because it said, you're exactly where you need to be. So Oh, everyone wow. and their mom started taking photos there. Literally like everyone, <laughs> old people, young people, dogs, babies, everyone. <laughs> and then the third one was on the side of a coffee shop. So that was exterior as well. And I forget what came after that. I think we did a co-working space and we started realizing what sorts of industries needed this for their space and what made sense and what was going to be um, – you know, a good, a good, um, flow for us. Oh my gosh. Now, is it word of mouth at this point or are people starting to see your designs around town? Because a mural that's basically, I mean, that's basically a perfect billboard for you mm-hmm. guys. Are, are, it, do you have a tag on like the one that you mentioned yeah. that everybody started taking pictures in front of? Is there a tag for your Instagram on the mural for, right from the beginning? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so cool. exactly that. So tagging us. It's free advertising for us and free advertising for the business. So uh, yes, being out in the wild and then also um, having a following on Instagram has been beneficial from the very beginning. Oh, well, it's so fun to think about. And two, you guys, y'all are stepping into this together. You're kind of moving forward. Was there a real wow moment at this point where you kind of looked at each other and thought, okay, we're we're working together. This is going to be kind of a longevity situation, and I think we're on to something. Yeah. I mean, we both were really excited about what we were doing. I think we were probably too scared to think far into the future. Like, you don't want to think about, can we keep this up? It's right. just like, let's just do the work that comes to us when it comes to us. But it's still like when we were doing these mural projects, they were few and far between, and it was definitely not something to sustain a business. Hmm. So we learned very quickly that we needed to be putting ourselves out there more. And so we started diving into just cold email outreach to companies that we thought would be a good fit for us to pitch our services. And that's how we made about at least 75% of our jobs in the beginning were all from outreach. Wow. So you're actually blind. I mean, cold, it's like a cold call, but you're cold emailing people and what sharing your design, sharing, are you immediately sharing price at that point as well? Or are you kind of hooking them with the designs and saying, Hey, we'd love to work with you. Hooking them in the beginning with just our presentation of our work. And then if they had a wall or had been thinking of a mural or were somewhat interested hopping on the phone call. And then, um, that's when we would discuss, uh, you know, how our process works and, and an idea of pricing. See, that's so amazing. And two, one thing that I know about you guys is that you are very, very helpful in the realm of encouraging artists specifically with pricing and this business side of things, which maybe you would credit to some of it could have been the business coach, but I think too, and what I'm hearing specifically, Roxy and Phoebe, you both have kind of the the business mindset as well. 
but mm-hmm. what what was it that you both were able to step into a call and be confident in your prices? Is that something that from the beginning you were confident in, or how did you guys even come up no with way. what that was? <laughs> no who, way. What was that yeah. going to yeah look like? Tell us about what that was like. We were so terrified. I mean, back then, like when we quit our full time jobs. I was making around 35K a year. Phoebe was making 40K, which in San Diego is like, I don't even know how we were making it work. Um, So our idea of like what a lot of money was is like nothing. (laughs) (laughs) But when we pitched like our first $5,000 job, like we were terrified, like sick to our stomach, (laughs) so terrified. And it was nice having our coach because he was kind of, tough. He was really <laughs> tough. Like we cried on so many calls. He was really tough on us. So if he knew that we had a call to pitch numbers, like we had to do it or else like, you know, we were going to have to tell him that we didn't do it or that we chickened out and, oh, you know, wow. priced it at we would get in trouble. <laughs> we cried on so many calls with him. Like we joke now that we were definitely his charity case because like, I don't know why he would have taken us on. But having that accountability and also just having the two of us, I think, made us a bit stronger. Like definitely every time we had to pitch, one of us would be like, oh, my God, like what if it's too much? They're going to say no. And then the other one would be like, no, we just have to do it. And at that time, our prices were very low. And like Mm. it just every time we reached a new threshold, it was really scary, like pitching a $10,000 job and then a $20,000 and $50,000. And now we've made we've booked over $100,000 jobs painting murals. And wow. As the threshold gets bigger, it's scary every time, but we just had to fake it till we made it, like the confidence side of it, yeah. and just, you know, channel a different person <laughs> <laughs> and just like try to like realize it's not personal. If we don't get this job, it's not going to make or break our lives. Like if they say we're too expensive, that's about them. It's not about us. You know, you have to kind of separate yourself from that. And I think that's hard for a lot of artists. And that's why it is really important for us to us to share numbers and resources because we did not have that. Like we could we reached out to so many muralists to ask, what do you charge for murals? And no one would tell us. And it just so hard to get into it because we had no idea if we were undercharging, overcharging, which we've learned is not even a thing. To the point to the point where we created a fake business at fake email and emailed a bunch of designers and artists that we looked up to trying to get their pricing. <laughs> yeah. And the numbers were all over the board and it that really scared us about yeah. our community. They're like just there's no industry standard. Wow. Well, too, it's it's just such a and this is so great because for those of you who are listening, I mean, we have young entrepreneurs, we have established businesswomen. Um, and it's just it, it is an area that that seems taboo, but but for you guys to open up and to be able to share, I mean, this is huge, not just for the the community of artists that so many, you know, of you who are listening, you might be included in that group, but also for young businesswomen and entrepreneurs. And you know what? Even myself trying to figure out how to monetize the podcast and okay, what is advertising? look like? What what does this look like? And I think at some point you have to recognize that your time and the time that you're spending on this mural or for me, a, a recording or whatnot, it's it has value. It has massive value. Mm-hmm. And I love what one of you just said of, of you know, even overpricing, that's not even a thing it, because, mm-hmm. because of the, the value and, and the time and what someone is willing to pay for it. 
uh, I just, I really love that you guys are willing to share kind of the behind the scenes on that. Now, is there now a set price point that you guys are able to do? Or at this point, it would seem that you've kind of become experts. So you actually know if it's a mural this size, if it's going to take this much time, I'm guessing it still fluctuates due to those different variety of of things. Yes, but we have a, a basic formula. So it makes it pretty easy to compute. So we charge between $40 and $50 a square foot, depending mm-hmm. on complexity. So we like to offer, everyone should be doing this, offering a few different options so that it's not just a yes or a no from the client. It's which option, A, B, or C. Nice. So um, $40 a square foot is something more simple. We say like one to three colors and uh, more complex would be the $50 a square foot. So more colors, more things going on, takes longer to design and apply. And um, this is for a custom design sign painting where they uh, they just provide us with the design and we don't have to do any of the design work up front would be a lower price point. But um, yeah, generally 40 to $50 a square foot, $3,000 minimum. And uh, if the texture of the wall is really freaky, add some dollar signs. <laughs> if the client seems really freaky, add some dollar signs. Um, and then adding for travel and any sort of heavy equipment duty equipment like a scissor lift. And we do have a free mural pricing guide on our website shop. If anyone out there is interested in getting into murals, it tells you exactly how to start your pricing and, you know, when to start upping your rates. Oh, so good. And so cool. You guys are definitely going to want to check that out as well. I I just think it's so helpful. And it just makes for such an awesome, you know, back within that theme of when you guys first met, community has been so important to you both. And to know that you're Mm -hmm. still growing your community and even offering up this insight to young and upcoming artists, I think it's amazing. Now, you guys just mentioned something really cool because you mentioned a price on travel. I mentioned in your intro, there are, (laughs) gosh, I mean, all over the U.S., you guys can find murals by Roxy and Phoebe. But tell us, I I know there's a few out of the country. So maybe share a little bit about what those projects look like. Yeah, so all comes back to outreach. (laughs) (laughs) We we were at a conference actually in Georgia and saw a speaker, uh, Dominique Fala. She's actually someone people should look to. She's incredible. And she she did a wonderful talk on stage and she was from Australia and we had dinner with her afterwards in a group setting. And um, I had had a few drinks and approached her and said, (laughs) we would love to speak at your conference in Australia. And she said, all right, well, why don't you come? And I was like, uh, really? We hadn't even spoken at a conference once. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just putting things out there. And so it became a reality and all of a sudden we're booking flights to the Gold Coast. So um, we had the thought, well, we're not going to fly across the world and not paint a mural. So we were doing cold emailing to everywhere in Australia. (laughs) Again, this theme of like never having, or actually I had been before, but um, really not knowing the country and just emailing every. So we got a mural in Tasmania, which is not very close to the Gold Coast, but it was um, a a beautiful place to visit, an awesome adventure. Highly recommend if anyone makes it down there, but, um, and also one in in Melbourne. So that was really fun. And then Roxy did one when she was in Mexico and then has also done one in Maui when she was visiting. And 
we have a goal of painting a mural in all 50 states. Oh. So that's been a great reason to travel. So we've painted murals. We just signed on Wisconsin. So that's 25 states for oh. us. So we're halfway there. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, we have listeners in all 50 states. So you guys find out, <laughs> find out if there's a mural by Roxy and Phoebe in your state and keep us posted because I love <laughs> that goal. That is so awesome. And to think of a mural being in Maui, I mean, you guys truly are all over the place. Now mm-hmm. tell me this, how long does a mural usually take? I, I know it can range, but are, the, are these week long projects day long? What, what, what's the range here? We just did 12 murals in Katy, Texas, which is outside of Houston, and that took us five days. Uh, We did have help with that one. Um, So, yes, we can paint for a full week, or we just did one on Tuesday that took us six hours. So uh, we definitely work very fast. We're always commended for that, and there's two of us. Yeah. Um, so it, yeah, it ranges, but we can, we can do anything. There's plenty of like 14 hour paint days where, you know, we'd rather paint into the night. We work really hard, but kind of in a lazy way. Like we'd rather finish it in one super long day than have to like put everything away and bring it back out for a second day. So we're like hardworking, lazy people, (laughs) even though it's, it's much harder. Yeah. Even though it's totally not. Oh my gosh. That's so fun. Well, it's fun to think about you guys kind of wrapping up different projects and my husband's actually from Houston. So I'll have to go and check out those murals. In, oh yeah. Yeah. In, so Houston. Houston's been good to us. We have another oh, project. That's so, that's so good to know. Well, many of my listeners, you guys are in Houston. So again, gosh, the, it, you can find a mural by these two wherever you are. <laughs> well, it's been fun to hear some of the highlights throughout your career and to think about all of the different kind of entities and the things that you've learned along the way. But I'd love to know, are there any instances that you can look back on where actually you'd say failure helped shape your career? Well, I feel like we experience failure all the time. (laughs) And I've always been the believer that failure is not a bad thing. Like it sucks a lot of time in the moment, but it ultimately leads you where you're supposed to be. You learn from it. So I I mean, I think we both embrace the failure. We've learned everything the hard way. So yeah, <laughs> just every single time that we've had a weird incident with, with a client or a project, it's because we didn't have something in our contract that you know needed to be tightened up. So that's when we go back and look at our contract and add something in to protect ourselves for the future. So at this point, the contract I think is pretty tight, but there's still other things, I mean, as you mentioned, we run the nonprofit Ladies Who Paint. And um, I think we we took that on thinking it would just be a fun thing to do. And (laughs) it is fun, but there's been so much struggle with that. So um, yeah, I think we're constantly learning from everything that we do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The big thing, biggest thing we learn from is whenever we fail to listen to those red flags from clients or that gut feeling of like, maybe this isn't the best fit. Um, I think it's just really important to trust your gut, not like Mm -hmm. put so much pressure on like, I have to get this job, you know, even if it seems like not right, you know? So yeah, there's been so much. (laughs) (laughs) 
No, but that's all a whole other podcast. Yeah, no, but seriously, the the insight and even I love too what you just said of like going back to the the paperwork and figuring out okay, I need to protect myself here. Okay, I need to make sure this is clear here, and, and those are things that I think a lot of times entrepreneurs, you know, we think well we have to have it all right the first time before we send it out to any client. And to your point, no, you learn along the way. You learn okay, we need to make sure this is covered, that this space is covered, and it's just it's such an encouragement to me too. I mean every single day, like you said, there might be what someone would think is a failure, but ultimately it is a success because then you get to rewrite something that needed to be done. I mean, every single every single example you guys are sharing are ones that are very relatable and I really mm-hmm. appreciate it. Well, on top of that, and this is a question that I always love to let guests know, it's, it's slightly loaded, <laughs> but <laughs> I know my listeners will want to know, what is perhaps the greatest lesson you have learned? I think the best lesson that we've learned is just to dive in headfirst, even if we don't know what we're doing or we don't have a plan. That's seriously how we've ended up here. Like we will get an opportunity that scares us or that we're like, we're not qualified for this or Mm. imposter syndrome creeps in or whatever, but we don't want to ever listen to the fear and have fear like leading the way. We just like push that to the side, dive in. It definitely helps having a partner because you're not in it alone. So I feel everyone who works by themselves, but I would say just dive in. If there's something you've been thinking about starting forever, just do it. You will learn so much more by just doing it than trying to plan it ahead of time. Yeah. Done is better than perfect. We know so many Mm. artists that um, are just holding them themselves back because they're wanting their presentation that they're to send out for outreach to be perfect or you know they need more examples in their portfolio and we're like no 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 just get it out there just start wow well i just wrote i literally just wrote down what you said because i'm like i need to remember this done (laughs) done yeah done is better than perfect i love that and i know i actually have chills right now I know that someone, well, it's, it's just, it's so good. And and you know what? I know someone listening needed to hear that, whether you're an artist, whether you're a student, whether you're, you know, diving in completely terrified, done is better than perfect. And I, I don't know. I just think perhaps there's a perfectionist listening right now that maybe that one was, that one was for you. Well, ladies, what are you learning now? That... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I think the pandemic, actually, we learned a yeah. lot. Um, as it's coming to a close, we're having to like reiterate some of the things we learned. So before the pandemic, we were absolutely killing ourselves, no time off, traveling all the time. We had employees that were like really expensive that we were definitely like perhaps overpaying and just like killing ourselves to barely scrape by. So when the pandemic hit, we had to force ourselves to, you know, have some boundaries and like we had to lay off our employees and we really just took a step back to think about what was important and you know we did have some time where we didn't have any work so we realized like okay what we've been doing has not been working right i think there's a really toxic hustle culture that people fall into where it's like if you're not busy 24/7 if you're not killing yourself for your business then you're not successful but that is not true yeah. we've been able to get through that to realize like i need 8 hours of 
sleep a night and we <laughs> put a gym in our office instead of hiring more employees so we can work out wow and like take care of ourselves and get massages after murals like in that time where we were like you know there were times where we would take a red eye flight across the country paint a mural and fly back on a red eye wow and like it's just not healthy it's not sustainable not sustainable <laughs> and like we actually have made more money in the last since the pandemic started than we did in the last previous years wow. and we've been working less taking on less jobs and just really finding balance so i think self-care is really important not to fall into this toxic, like you need to be busy 24 seven mentality is really, really important. So now that the pandemic is coming to a close, we have, and we're getting more opportunities. We have to remind ourselves, like we have to take care of ourselves first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Trying to be very aware of that and take time off. Well, and coming from two girls who definitely could have extremely full schedules at this point in your life and career. I mean, that's such great insight and wisdom for, for anyone listening. Well, you guys, I'm really excited because I want to ask, and and I think uh, there might be an answer that I'm thinking you might go with, and maybe I'll just pitch it to you. What's next for you? But can you just tell us about this book? Because I'm so excited. It sounds amazing. Yeah, we're really looking forward to it. It's been a long time coming. We've been working on it for three three years. (laughs) So it's very delayed gratification, um, which is contrasting to our our regular job where we paint a mural and it goes up in a day or two and it's instant gratification. So (laughs) yeah, we're excited for the book and we're going to be doing some sort of book tour, I believe on the West Coast. So any listeners, maybe you'll get to meet us IRL, but we (laughs) are pushing that and um, learning about what it's like to do PR for a book and, um, just publishing is a whole nother world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the book is called Wonder Walls. It's got 25 different projects to teach you how to paint a mural in your own home. And whether you rent or own a place, you can definitely paint a mural. You just paint over it. And if you end up painting it and you don't like it, you can paint over it. Um, <laughs> but so there's 25, actually it's 26 now, um, wow. projects um, for different, a variety of spaces, whether it's your kitchen, your bathroom, your bedroom, living room, anywhere like that. And we break it down for you so that you can learn how to do all these different styles in your home. And the book is available pretty much everywhere. If you search for our names or wonder walls and yeah, we're really excited for it to come out to teach people how to paint murals. And this was actually through doing the book, our first experience doing any residential painting. So we got to learn about how that's different than, you know, typical (laughs) client work. Oh my gosh. Well, you guys, you're definitely going to want to check out Wonder Walls. I think it's amazing that you all, something that brings you both so much joy, but also brings so many people who see your murals out and about that people can take that into their own home and be able to experience it daily. I think that's so creative and I think it's the absolute perfect book for you guys. I'm so excited about it. Well, ladies, is there, yes, absolutely. Is there anything we didn't cover today that you'd like to? I think just a reminder to everyone out there to like really think about your value and your time and, Mm. you know, time is not renewable and it's worth a lot of money. So, so no matter what you're charging up your prices, because there's still a wage gap. There's still a lot more men that own businesses and own properties and are Mm. CEOs over women. So when you charge 
more money. It helps all of us. And just remember that. (laughs) No, it's so true. I love it. There's oftentimes in conversations like this, I just say, you know what? Pause and rewind. So you guys pause, rewind, hear that again. Forever needs to hear that. Such great wisdom today. You guys are awesome. Well, I love to the connection that you both had when you guys met via Instagram. Networking is such a theme that I love to encourage women to participate in. And you guys, you never know, you might even meet a business partner. But I love to ask this question to guests. You guys, who do you know that should maybe come on and share their how'd she do that story? So we have a few women we'd love for you to have on, um, starting with Rachel Gloria Adams. She's a beautiful mural artist out of Maine. And then we also have, I hope you're okay with multiple, Uh, (laughs) Ashley Arsenault Jones, aka Small Chalk. She's out of Louisiana. (laughs) And she's amazing. She not only runs a business, um, but has kids and I just don't even know how she does everything she does. So she's just a total inspiration. Rachel's got kiddos too. I think oh, yeah. Everyone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we're, we're like, oh, we don't even have kids yet. What's that going to be like? <laughs> right. Oh but, my um, goodness. Yeah. We, we love, love both of their work. So they'd be incredible guests. Oh, so awesome. Well, thank you both for the recommendations and you all will have to stay tuned for a potential episode with Rachel and Ashley. Well, you guys, we've been teasing it and I know many listeners have already looked up Wonderwalls. I know they've found you on Instagram, but you guys, where can listeners connect with you? We have both TikTok and Instagram and our website. Uh, our website is panderdesignco.com and then our instagram is panderdesignco as well as our individuals roxy prima and phoebe cornog and on panderdesignco we typically go live every day that we're not painting murals during the week um so you can catch us around two or three in the afternoon pst pst we just answer questions whatever you have going on in your business we're happy to share some info so come say hi Oh, that's amazing. Well, you guys are going to want to stay connected with Roxy and Phoebe. You both are amazing. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode. Thank you all for listening to today's episode of How'd She Do That? I am Emily Landers. You can follow me on Instagram at Emily Landers and the podcast at How'd She Do That Podcast. We hope you'll join us next Tuesday for a new episode. Talk to you soon.